0: thank you for joining our conversation on wow whispering i am your host diane a Curran, and it is delightful to be with you wow is spontaneous open expressive whispering is intimate still receptive in our modern age moments rush in or away like quicksilver do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper to notice and value such gifts we're ready to do just that with you right now. I am very excited to have everyone here with me today. We are going to have quite an adventure. And my guest, who I'm going to tell you more about in a moment, is Anne Gordon de Barragon, And she is going to say a quick hello. Hi, Anne. How are you doing today? Hi, Diane. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. It is wonderful to have you. Anne started out in life studying biology and working as a zookeeper. So she has been in the world of animals for a long time. She has trained animals for over 20 years for movies and TV. And oh my gosh, that is probably a whole lifetime of conversation we could have. But she also pioneered the whale watching industry in Panama and has been running whale and dolphin wisdom retreats for 11 years. She created her whale and dolphin wisdom retreats to share her love of the dolphins, whales, the ocean and nature with others. She has seen how spending time with the dolphins and whales and learning their wisdom can transform lives gently and easily through simply being immersed in their loving energy. Oh, I feel I feel
1: calmer and better already. Yeah, yeah. they have that way of working their magic. You, you don't even have to be in their presence, but just invoke their energy and it works.
0: I love that because we're gonna have a little opportunity to do that today. And what I wanted to do, just because at the beginning, sometimes people say, my gosh, I'm so excited about it, and I wanna zip right over and do a split screen and see what your website is allowed. So I wanna I share with you, that you can find Anne on Whale Wisdom Retreats. So if you want to learn more, there's tons of great information about what she's up to and what she will be up to soon. But we're going to jump into a conversation that is about wow and whispering. The world of wow and whispering can be integrated, but it can feel like sometimes two separate worlds. Wow is expressive and expansive and, and kind of sudden and spontaneous. Oftentimes we never really had a definition of wow, it just showed up when we started expressing ourselves, when we come across something that really gets our attention. Now, whispering has a kind of a different flavor. Even the word is longer and softer. It's kind of a confidential, intimate tone. And so oftentimes it's a hint at a private message. So I'm going to dive right into whispering right now with Anne and ask you, in terms of whispering, is there anything that comes to mind as you think about that for yourself for your life for anything you've noticed in the world i'd love to
1: hear how you're responding to that word whispering well it's a great word i love that word it can mean so much it can you know it can mean just just exactly what it means just quiet soft talk but it can also mean it kind of infers a wisdom that comes with it. It's like the world can whisper to us. Nature can whisper to us through the ruffling of the leaves, through the trickling of a stream, through, through the wind, the gentle winds that pass us by, that by when we focus on whispering, we, we get out of our heads and we start paying attention to what is all around us in the world, and in today's world, especially with all our technology, we get so caught up in the technology and the busyness of all of that, that we forget to stop and just listen and observe to what the world, what's happening around us, and what we can learn just through straight observation and listening to the whispers. And whispers can be, like I said, part of nature, but it can also be In our coworkers, in our family, to me, a whisper would be not necessarily somebody whispering in your ear, but observing the subtle body language or the breathing patterns of the people we're interacting with. And that can tell us a whole lot about the state that they're in and that we can then be compassionate from and, and help them and assist them and interact with them in a more connected way.
0: I love what you're saying, Anne, and if I may, I want to share something that she shared with me when we were talking about getting together today, and I want to let you know, Anne says it so beautifully. Here's what she said. A male voice within my head was saying, he just wants to be close to you, and it was about my little dog who was bothering me by walking right behind my feet, and it frustrated me. That voice literally stopped me in my tracks to look at life From the perspective
1: of others just what you were saying a moment ago exactly it was i was actually working on the movie um what was i doing i was doing um honey i shrunk the kids tv series up in alberta and it was a day off and i was walking the dogs i was working with um who were my dogs my personal dogs and that one was literally walking on my heels and it drove me crazy because i would accidentally kick him and i would try all kinds oh. of things to to get him to back off and <laughs> literally, that voice just came into my head and it was it was a male voice so it was like it wasn't me it was totally outside of me but it wasn't i didn't hear it outside i heard it from within and that's what it was he just wants to be close to you it's like oh oh, oh my gosh of course, of course, if I'd stopped to think about it. So I just stopped and I took that in, but then I, I went down and I petted him and I loved him up and I reassured him and you know gave him some 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 little special moments, some time together, and then he relaxed and walked, you know, in a normal position. Oh how amazing.
0: You were present in the moment to hear a whisper. It was not being said out loud. It wasn't, he wasn't barking at you. So it's interesting how it, you were available to something that kind of bubbled up from within, because sometimes that's really intimate. That's right inside your head. And lo and behold, it connected you outside of yourself
1: to someone else. Exactly. And I, I think it would be best referred to as like a, a whisper from spirit, a spirit mm. whisper. And I find that, and we were walking in this big field out, you know, kind of outside of Calgary, Alberta, and it was beautiful and fall colors and, and it was a beautiful day. And so I find that when you do take a walk in nature, whether it's a, a major hike in the mountains, or whether it's a walk on the beach, or just a walk around the neighborhood or the local park, you again, your mind just goes free flowing and you stop thinking about things. You stop trying to control your thoughts and focus on any one project. You're just there. And that's when spirit has an opportunity to reach through and break through all the chaos monkey mind that's normally going on so that we can hear what they have to share with us.
0: Well, that brings me to something that is really a very different flavor and a very different experience that Anne has also shared with me And I asked her to consider the word wow. Now, I'm going to share Anne with you a definition that I have sort of created out of my experiences with wow, and here's what it is. It's an intuitive, instinctive expression voiced in awe, pleasure, or stun. When presented with the unexpected. I'm going to put that word stun in there on purpose. So I want to mm-hmm. invite you to share a little uh, uh, something about an experience you had with a trained tiger that you had, I believe you had trained this tiger, am I right? And if you wouldn't mind sharing that with our listeners, I think they will have the unexpected happen right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yes, I trained animals for many years for movies and TV. I also raised, and before that, I raised and trained wild animals to go out to schools and do educational outreach programs and to uh-huh. teach a respect for wildlife and nature. And one of the animals that I had in my stable of animals was a Bengal tiger that I had raised since he was 10 days old. Oh, so wow. he looked at me as mom. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know that can be a wow just in itself, and for many people, that is. <laughs> yeah. And how big was his tiger? He
0: was no longer a little teeny kid. No, no. He
1: was, he was, how old was he then? Gosh, three or four, something like that. He's, he's a full grown adult male tiger. Wow. Um, but he still thought of me as mom. And sure. that's, we do that on purpose. You know, that's part of the, the training relationship and the, that you need to have, obviously, to ins- instill the, their respect for us, to listen to us. It's not so much about domination, but about being in control of the situation Okay. at all times, right? And so on this day, uh, we were filming a piece for an airline company that wanted to see a tiger running through tall grass. And they had been trying to schedule this shoot for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and this was in i used to live in seattle and this was one of the wettest summers we'd ever had and there was very few beautiful days and it was a it was a very busy summer for me so we just couldn't get it scheduled so one day they called me in the afternoon probably about four in the afternoon and said can we do it tomorrow because I'll, it was going to be a beautiful day and i should have said no because I'd already fed him. Now, tigers and big cats in the wild do not eat every day. They will make a big kill. They will gorge themselves. And then they'll go three, four, five days without eating anything. Really? So fasting is very, very normal for them. Okay. So in in a training situation, when we know we're going to work an animal, we, the, what they work for is food. It's not that we starve them for their food, but we just go through their... In, in all almost every captive situation with big cats, we have a fast day because that's what their body requires. So what I had just fed him and which meant his hunger drive, his motivation for working was not very high for the next day. But I felt the pressure from the production company and wanted to please them. And so I said, yes, that was mistake number one. And then the next day when we were filming, um, I had my assistant, myself, the the camera crew was just two guys. And Mm -hmm. then I had um, a volunteer who had been working with me for uh, a couple of months. And she had been also, she was a horse trainer and had worked with Buffalo before. So she knew big animals. She was there. And then my boyfriend at the time stopped by. So where we were going to film was on my property, but it wasn't completely fenced in. And of course the, the tiger had to run loose. So because we were just trying to make it look like it was out in the wild. So I had my boyfriend and the volunteer hold a piece of uh, chain link fence. It was just a big roll of chain link fence. And I had them just hold it up at, as a barrier. And, and there was a fence on the other side on two other sides. So we had three sides of fencing, but there, the fence they were holding up was not, um, was not as long. So it didn't go end to end. So there was some open space. Uh. So on the first run, I put myself at the camera because the cameraman was bending down, which is a vulnerable position when you're working with a tiger who's running straight at you. And that that I was also calling the tiger to me. And then my assistant was um, releasing the tiger. And then as soon as she released him, because there was no place to hide. It was just tall grass. She couldn't hide behind a tree or a rock or anything. She just ducked down. So first run, perfect. Went well. They got the footage they needed and they... They never use just one take on a film. You do it over and over again, (laughs) (laughs) especially when it goes perfect the first time. They're like, "Oh well, that can get better now." Oh gosh. So we did it a second time. So on the second release, uh, my assistant released the tiger. He started moving towards me, and then he got distracted because he wasn't strongly motivated for the food that I had waiting for him on the other side. Right. So he started playing in the tall grass. And then my assistant tripped. What she did is she, I don't know what happened. She let go of the fence. She tripped. She fell down, which is the last thing you do in front of a tiger. And literally we never turn our back on them because they're they're predators that's their job is to kill and sure. not yeah and so that's like throwing a ball in front of a golden retriever you know what's gonna happen so he he literally he bounced over just like a kitten playing playing after a toy and he he grabbed her by the back of the neck sure. and drug her about 20 feet or so uh, my assistant was doing everything she could to get him off, but that wasn't working. He was getting possessive over the person he had, which is typical behavior. And then I got there and we always carry a CO2 fire extinguisher that in that in worst case scenario, um, we don't carry a gun. I don't know how to use guns. I don't believe in guns and, and I would probably miss. So, yeah. <laughs> and a, 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 a tranquilizer gun, that takes 10 minutes to take effect, so that can... Oh you know, my goodness, I didn't realize nice. that. Yeah, That's it's not, not how a, they show it in
0: the movies, is it? <laughs> yeah, they don't,
1: they don't show you the waiting time, waiting for them to slow down and then go to sleep. Oh my gosh. So um, so I hit, I, I hit him with a blast of the CO2 fire extinguisher, but I was the farthest away. I had to come running with it, and I hit him with that and he backed off because it's loud it's cold it's you know this white smoke in your face but completely harmless yeah so he backed off he looked at me and he made this little gentle sound that you could call a whisper that tigers do when they're either saying hi i'm friendly or they're seeking reassurance Mm. and it's it's called a proustan and it sounds like (laughs) really Oh, that it's is like soft. A, it, yeah, it's very soft. It's, it's on their breath. <laughs> it's a string of Fs. And oh. so that meant his mind had completely changed. I walked up, I put his leash on him, and I walked him back home. And the, my volunteer was, was conscious, Good. but there were puncture wounds in her neck. Oh, gosh. So, of course, we called the ambulance, went to the hospital. She survived, but the doctors told me that he had actually nicked her vertebral artery and they had two and a half minutes to reconnect. Oh my goodness. So that was a major life-changing moment for me and for everybody involved. And were they able to reconnect? Yes, she survived. She was fine. That's a miracle. Yeah, a little bit of nerve damage, but, but fine.
0: Fine. Well, that is
1: miraculous,
0: actually, that with such a little bit of timing, you were able to really manage an impossible situation and literally save a life and reclaim your relationship or at least your connection with this animal who didn't know what he was doing, I'm sure. He knew
1: what he was doing but it's just instinct. That's what
0: they're bred to do. What and I mean in other words he yeah. it started out like this playful thing and then it
1: just became right. instinctive. Yeah. It, exactly. It t- it takes over. Instinct takes over because oh, the tiger he's not a golden retriever. So yeah, it was it was an amazing scary the most intense moment of my life oh, and gosh. yeah, the my worst nightmare come true when you own big cats of course that's that's the thing you try and prevent but and also you know it's my training knowing what to do because unfortunately in when you're working with in a dangerous situation like that you have to visualize what is the absolute worst case scenario here Mm -hmm. and then how do I prevent it yeah but if you know about visualization, that's not a good thing to do, is visualize, okay, what's the worst that can happen here? And then picture it and run through it in your mind, and then how you, how you avoid it.
0: Well, I think you may be referring to something that some people have noted about visualization, which is it's very powerful to manifest. So it sounds like when you say it's a dangerous thing to do, you are putting some energy toward. Right. Maybe even creating that reality so you then get to experience it. That's a, that
1: can be a very, as you say, dangerous or risky thing to do. It's risky. And then on the logical side, you have to know how to prepare for it. So you have to yeah. be able to avoid those situations. So it's when you, when you look at the principles of manifestation, right, you don't want to visualize it. But when you look at logistics, you mm-hmm. have to prepare for it. So it's, it's that
0: that is the dilemma. In fact, I was having a conversation mm-hmm. with a friend recently. He said, Well, if only we didn't name hurricanes, maybe they wouldn't last so long. I thought, wow, well, that is a very, that is a very tricky kind of dichotomy to manage. Mm-hmm. But speaking of hurricanes and speaking of water, let's move <laughs> our conversation into a place that is a very different world. And it's yes. the world where you are not breathing air, standing on earth, and conducting your life and your experiences with the animals, but you are immersing yourself in a very different world, the world of water. And this is a world that human beings, well, they've all gone in boats, and maybe they dive a certain distance on their own, you know, from the beginning of time, but it is a world that has belonged to the creatures of the sea. And I am particularly intrigued with your I'm going to say practice of mastery in the world of the whales, because that is a very profound world that is beyond anything that most people have a real knowledge of. They may see a whale. If they're lucky enough to be on a boat, they see one breaching. But that world, I'm sure, is very different. And I want to ask you, Anne,
1: what drew you to that world? Well, uh, first I wanna make the transition from where we left off to (laughs) to where we're going. And I love that we're going in this this direction because of course that's my passion. And I would say that that moment, that day when that incident happened with the tiger was my spiritual wake up call. Because I had never really paid attention to spirit or anything deeper or looking within myself. And that began this amazing path of spiritual awakening for me as a result of that, like major hit in the head of, hey, wake up, pay attention. So I actually grew up in Olympia, Washington, on the water. My father had a boat. So I spent many weekends and every summer vacation boating in the Pacific Northwest and watching the orca whales. Oh, So I've been with the dolphins and whales most of my life. And I, for me, when I was a kid, the orca whales, the energy that I felt from seeing them, besides mm-hmm. joy and awe and the wow, was they kind of felt like a very loving older brother that was wow. just around that I felt very safe with. How interesting.
0: Now, as you were having the opportunity to see them and be with them, did they, they have a certain rhythm in the way that they swim or the way that they make themselves known? That, that I'm intrigued because I'm not uh, someone who has experience with whales. I've mm-hmm. seen them once or twice, but that's about it. And mm-hmm. I don't have a sense of their rhythm. So I'm intrigued with what you're saying about like an older brother, you would think of as someone who's maybe well safe or protective or
1: something mm-hmm. along those lines. Yeah, I'm not even sure why I felt that way, but I, I did and still do with them. I, they do have a rhythm. They are mammals, whales are mammals, just like you and me. So they do breathe there. They're not fish and can't breathe underwater. So they have to come up to the surface to breathe. So they generally will do this, most whales will do this in, in patterns. So they will come up and take a breath three, four, five times in a row, and then they will go down, often showing their tail, and then be under for up to 30 minutes. Generally, it's seven to 12 minutes, and then come back up for another set of three to five breaths. That's a long
0: time. I'm really surprised they can stay down that long.
1: Sperm whales can stay down up to, the record is two hours.
0: Oh my gosh. Now, is that something to do with their size and the way their lung capacity is structured and the way that they breathe? Is that how, I'm just
1: that seems miraculous. <laughs> well, it's part of uh, their evolutionary, you know, ad- adaptations for living in an environment, and where they find their food is under the water. Uh-huh. For some species, they're surface feeders, but the sperm whale they feed on giant squid who live several thousand meters under the ocean so to be able to go all the way down there and then catch and kill your food you you need some time to do that so to be able to generally their dives are up to an hour but like i said the record is two hours oh my gosh so yeah you know it's
0: interesting because because again my perspective is seeing them on the surface so i don't know that rhythm underneath and there's a rhythm underneath that's occurring in terms of Seeking and knowing where to be, and mm-hmm. and then kind of managing their breath instinctively, right? In terms of making sure they
1: have enough. <laughs> yes, and what's interesting is that they are conscious breathers. And what, and what that does mean, that mean? Well, yeah, what that means is that they have to literally think to breathe. <gasps> Ooh. Whereas we don't, and you know, most most. All land creatures don't have to think, or even fish don't have to think. It's just automatic. It just happens. But if a, a whale, just like when you're swimming underwater, you have to think, okay, I can't breathe down here. And when I come up, then I can breathe. It's the same for them. Wow. So what's fascinating to me is, well, one, one um, physical adaptation to having to think to breathe is think about it. If you have to think about breathing, how would you sleep? Yeah,
0: that is a really good question. Um, How do they sleep?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they sleep. what, What we've discovered is that they sleep with one half of their brain. So one half is sound asleep. The other half is awake and alert that keeps them moving and coming to the surface.
0: Now, do they alternate sides of the brain? Is there some pattern to do with that so they get rest? In, in both uh, aspects of their, their
1: being? Correct. They do. They do switch sides. But to me, the most fascinating part more than that is that when you are a conscious breather, you are also much more conscious about your physical being and your being at all. So they're much more conscious of themselves. Because we humans, often, we're, we're very bad about paying attention to our bodies. Oh, don't I know it. <laughs> yeah, until something really hurts or something bothers us, right? Well, yeah,
0: or you're walking along and you're not even thinking about putting one foot in front of the other. You've done that before, fine, you're going to do it again. We tend to, can I say, take it for granted that we have a physical body sometimes?
1: hmm mm-hmm. So the whales and dolphins are much more conscious of their being, their bodies, because the, of their conscious breath. Now, what's interesting is they've been on this planet 30 million years compared to us humans who have been here, what, 250,000 at most? Yeah, so, that's, a, that's a real difference. <laughs> that's a huge difference. So they have a lot longer time here to figure things out to learn how to be, to live in harmony with the planet. And I always liken us in comparison to the whales and dolphins as toddlers. You know, when you look at a two-year-old who's doing something he shouldn't be doing, we don't, we don't get mad because he's a two-year-old. He doesn't know any better. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so I think the whales and dolphins look at us like, oh, those humans, they're just figuring things out. So they forgive us a lot.
0: <laughs> well, that takes quite a bit of, I'm going to say, um, generosity, patience, a kind of quality of life. And as you said, this from conscious breathers, so they're already, and I'm intrigued with the notion of when they sleep, do they, are they ever physically after, active or are they in a quieted
1: state when they're- No, when they're physically doing active. They don't, really? all, they don't just sleep on the surface. Um, they will- They will often, just like a whale, will often be very still. I've observed humpback whale mothers be very still under the surface, maybe 10, 20 feet under the surface. Mm -hmm. And then when she needs to breathe, she'll just slowly come up to the surface, take a breath, do three or four breaths at the surface, and then just sink back down.
0: Now, can they do that while the one half of their brain is still
1: sleeping, or does that half have to wake up? Nope, yeah, one half is sound asleep during all of that and the other half. Now, when you see dolphins sleeping, it's interesting because they keep moving. But really? dolphins, yeah, dolphins live in a very tight family group called the pod. Mm-hmm. And when the pod is sleeping, they swim very uh, like synchronously. So they're all swimming the exact same pattern, very slow, very gentle, but they're continuing moving forward and then everybody comes up together at the exact same moment for a breath, and then back down. And it's very slow, methodical, and rhythmic, as opposed to jumping and playing and all spread out in different directions.
0: Now, dolphins need to breathe at the surface as well. So, But right. they have a different set of rhythms than whales, and yet they're, they're more, how can we say, more community oriented, more pod centric. And so that rhythm happens for all of them at once. That's remarkable. Oh, it really I'm sure depends you are, on, go ahead. I was going to say you're blowing my listeners mind because <laughs> we, we tend to think, you know, as human beings, we tend to think I'm a human being. Here's another one, or here's a bunch of them, but we tend to think one-to-one. And it sounds like in this world of being in the ocean, mammals in the ocean, that creates different requirements and stresses, but it also creates different adaptations. Like the whales are not necessarily all going up at once, but the dolphins, that's definitely their pattern. Isn't that interesting?
1: It is fascinating. Now it depends on the species. It's really about, a really good division will be toothed whales versus baleen whales. Uh, And there are some whales that have teeth and some whales that have baleen filter plates in their mouth that eat tiny little and plankton and small fish, as opposed to sperm whales that eat giant squid or orca whales who eat salmon or sometimes other m- mammals. Okay. So when you're a toothed whale, they do live just like the dolphins in very tight family pods and have very similar sleeping, breathing patterns. But the baleen whales are, have more loose social groupings, so they're more individual patterns. Okay. Oh, you
0: are opening up a world. I feel like I'm, I'm <laughs> underwater in the safest possible way, looking around and just seeing some of the things, imagining, if you will, what you are describing. And so I want to I take a break for just a moment. We're going to come right back with Anne, and uh, we're going to learn some more about the extraordinary world, the, I'm going to say the creativity in that world of whales and dolphins. So we'll be right back in just a moment with Anne Gordon de Barragon thank you for being with us on wow whispering in each episode we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life look for each episode show notes which have links to learn more today we are pleased to feature the gentle barn the gentle barn rescues animals from severe abuse and neglect who are too old or sick maybe lame and scared to be adopted into homes. They are sanctuary to horses, donkeys, cows, pigs, sheep, goats, turkeys, chickens, llamas, peacocks, emus, cats, and dogs, oh my. Once rehabilitated, the animals help to give hope and inspiration to children with the same stories. They are located in California, where they began, just north of Los Angeles and Santa Clarita, And they have two newer locations, one in Tennessee near Nashville and one in Missouri near St. Louis. Now, Ellie Lacks founded The Gentle Barn in 1999. It was a dream of hers since she was seven years old. Animals were always very healing and nurturing to her. as she faced the challenges of growing up, finding herself, fitting in, you know, feeling understood all the things that we want in life and maybe sometimes we struggle with. we are given struggles to deal with. She majored in special education and psychology, and with her special love of animals and children, The Gentle Barn was a perfect way of putting all her talents and passions into one. Since its inception, The Gentle Barn has been home to hundreds of animals and host to over 400,000 people. Ellie writes, and we inspire people to be an integral part of the solution. Through the stories and interactions with our animals, we can raise future generations to have reverence for all life, protect our planet, live good, healthy, happy lives, and we will be closer to having peace on Earth. Ah, yes. Thank you. We are back. This is Diane Curran. You are listening to Wow! Whispering, and we are learning so much from my wonderful guest, Anne Gordon de Berrigan, who is sharing with us the extraordinary? I'm going to say realities and and requirements for whales and dolphins to live in the water because they they breathe the air. They don't breathe in the water like fish. They are mammals. So we are learning about that. And what I want to say is that she's been sharing with us. Go back and listen to the first half if you missed it. She's been sharing with us the conscious breathing and the and the pod groupings and the rhythms that they have created very different for each species. But I wanna move on to a place where the wisdom that they have and the energy that they have, how does that impact the people who go on your retreats and maybe for the first time, maybe they've been here before, but they're, what are they experiencing when they are swimming with
1: these extraordinary beings? Well, there's so much. And The first off is when you're on a boat, and you see a dolphin or a whale in front of you whether maybe the dolphin's playing in the waves of the boat or the whales up front it brings you automatically right into that present moment it is literally impossible to think about the project you have back at work the bills you have sitting on your desk or what happened yesterday at work that you weren't happy with or the fight you had with your spouse that just disappears and you are automatically in that present moment and when that happens it's like your mind is cleared and what I see especially when there's dolphins around is people get silly and playful and express their glee and their joy and laugh they even start singing they become much more childlike which in, in a good way, meaning playful, because as adults, we just don't play nearly enough.
0: Yeah. So that has been bit. kind of trained out of us, hasn't it? In a, in a, it has. In a way yeah. that sometimes is, is presented as, and now you're becoming a responsible, serious adult, and we lose that connection. How extraordinary that this, it sounds like it arises spontaneously
1: for people. Yeah, it does. It does just all by itself. That's the beauty of taking people out to be with the dolphins and whales is I have to do very little facilitating. (laughs) I just let the whales and dolphins work their magic, let them show up. I mean, yes, I will add wisdom and bits, but a lot of this, I just let happen on its own. And another thing that happens is when you spend more than just a day out with the dolphins and the whales, especially. And my trips, we spend five days out on the water with the whales, uh, watching them and sometimes getting in the water with them, depending on them and their interest level. And what I have found is that just by being surrounded and, as I say, immersed in their energy, that what it does is it brings up, emotions and beliefs and blocks that we have within us, many unconscious, just by being in their energy, gently brings them up to be released.
0: Isn't that amazing? Now, is that true for people of all ages, men and women? Um, Do you find that it is something that just Arises no matter what your we'll call it your your land based personality is.
1: <laughs> I mean, pretty much for the most part. I mean, obviously there are some who are more stuck in their ways of being than others. It's it's easier sure. when you are you are open and seeking to find what the you know to release what does not serve you. Um, but I'll tell you a, a really a clear example. Of oh, a true please do. Of a, and this was, uh, I had a woman on a retreat that she wasn't even that interested in whales. She actually won the, the trip um, in a charity auction. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she shared with me before she arrived that her adult son had died the year before. Uh, and obviously I can't even imagine the grief, the sadness, you know, all the feelings that go along with that. And she was understandably having a hard time dealing with that and let, you know, letting go of that. And she came on the trip, and I decided I was not even going to ask her about it. I was going to leave it up to her. If she wanted to discuss it, I was open to discuss it. But these trips are not therapy. I'm not your therapist. Um, but I'm, he- I'm here to just hold safe, sacred space and let the whales and dolphins work their magic. And I just add bits and pieces as we go. And so we didn't talk about it very much, but she had a good time on the trip. And on the last day she came up to me and she was smiling ear to ear. And she gave me a big hug and she said, thank you. You've given me permission to feel happy again goodness. Oh, and how did that make you feel? Oh, so, so in awe. And that was a wow moment. It was like, oh my gosh. And, and like I said, I felt like I did almost nothing other than, you know, create the space and, and create the experiences and the whales work their magic. And it was just, that's when that was the first time I realized how powerful it is. It can be To spend time with these amazing beings
0: well you mentioned something which is creating the space and in in many traditions that are spiritually based and whether it's a formal organization or people who group themselves around a certain spiritual uh philosophy or a certain set of spiritual beliefs or whether it's informal groupings of people with a an intent and a purpose to support each other this holding of sacred space is a very, I'm gonna say, deep and meaningful and uh, generous service to perform. So Anne, I wanna thank you for being someone who's committed to that way of supporting others. And what I love is something that Anne said. She said, I wasn't sure she wanted to talk about it and I wanted to let that be her choice. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said, that you gave her room
1: to come to you. Right. Yes. I'm, I, I agree. And it's it's that for me, I'm lucky holding space comes naturally Mm -hmm. and yes, excuse me. I'm always aware of honoring the other person. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not a therapist and I don't even consider myself a coach, a life coach. Yet people have amazing, powerful transformations on my trips because I just set up set it up in a way where if they're ready, that experience will happen for them. Oh my gosh. You know, I've been quietly
0: here in the background, perhaps saying the word wow a little too often, but every time Anne <laughs> speaks, I feel like she's, she's identifying another wow. And some of them are whispers. But what I mean to say is, Anne, that you have been taking us through the, I'm going to say the intense journeys that have to do with discovering what you need to pay attention to around animals who are expressing their instincts. You have also been giving us an experience, a sense of what the gentleness of instinct can be as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. The gentleness of instinct. And and that's kind of what whales are all about. They are gentle giants. They are extremely gracious. And, And to the point of I've been in the water with a group of people, and there was a mother and a calf humpback whale in the area. We didn't know where they were; they were somewhere in the area, but the water that day wasn't super clear, so all of a sudden she pops up the baby pops up about ten feet in front of us, and i look I was looking on this out of the you know on the surface and so i I dunked my head in the water, and I had a mask on. I dunked my head in the water, and there's mom. And she was so close to us. And they came to us. They chose to come to where we were. And mm-hmm. She was so close to us that her, her 15-foot-long pectoral fin, she had to tuck into her body to avoid hitting us. And as soon as she passed us, she's put it back out again. Oh, my yeah. gosh. If that's not gentle and gracious, I don't know what is and very
0: conscious. I mean, it sounds like there's not only conscious breathing, there's conscious movement and choice, and if you will, respecting uh, others in the water.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: So I, I have something just popped into my head. When yeah. you're out in these boats, going out to where you plan to be, I'm assuming the boats have motors, right? And that sounds like a basic question, <laughs> but you're not just yeah. in a sailboat.
1: Here in Panama, we do use a Camaran sailboat. Oh. But it depends on whether there's wind or not, whether we can sail. Okay. Um, but the, and the boat does have motors, and, but they're very quiet motors. But the whales obviously know, they can hear them. Yeah. They know exactly where they are, where we are at all times. And I, when I'm in the water swimming and there's a whale nearby, I have learned that now what I do is I talk to them. I speak to them through my snorkel. I make noises I sing to them and because our water is not super super clear so sometimes it's 30 50 foot visibility which is not bad but if it's a 30 foot visibility and there's a 50 foot whale (laughs) I want them to know where I am I don't want (laughs) to surprise them I want them to know where I am and my group is so that if they want to come to us they can so that's very interesting. I was thinking about the sound
0: because m- just having been in the water, I noticed that sound sounds different in the water than it does when we're in the air. At least it does to us in the way we hear it. And, and so I'm intrigued with whether or not these whales know, oh, that motor I recognize, that's Anne's boat. Let's go over and say hi.
1: <laughs> I, they do, they can. And I think it's more about the energy on the boat um i i have witnessed and i've talked to other whale watching guides and they also are aware of this that if i have a group of people this would be more for a day tour not on a spiritual retreat more but on a day tour i have some people and say somebody's grumpy or they're expecting too much or they're you know they're just difficult the whales don't show up the way they normally do. Oh. And and the dolphins aren't attracted. But if we have a lot of children that are happy and playing and singing on the boat, the dolphins almost always show up. They love that that childlike, playful energy. Isn't that fascinating? And
0: these are and this is why you're still in the boat. You're not in the water. Correct. Yes. That's just the boat. This is remarkable. Oh, my gosh. And you are opening up so many worlds here <laughs> in terms of recognizing that, you know, there's a, maybe a tendency of human beings to think we're the center of everything. We start stuff and, mm-hmm. and then the, 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 the non-human world responds to us. Well, that's true in some ways, but it's always through our lens. But I'm hearing that the world that you are entering that is already there and is there all night and all day, even when you're not there, they I... choose to welcome you or they choose to acknowledge you or they choose to just kind of be in the vicinity
1: based on their experience of you that's part of it i mean they are they are animals they are sentient beings so they they if they're feeding or they're you know doing some behavior or they're resting and they don't want to deal with us they're busy then they do their own thing but when they do choose or not i've had them clearly say nope, we don't want anything to do with you and head out And I've had them clearly change direction from the, we watch them going in one direction, then all of a sudden they angle, they come straight to the boat, swim right in front or right under us, and continue on. Wow. I can't, I can't help but keep saying this,
0: (laughs) because... There's no there's no not noticing that, especially since you're so right. present. You're you're like, right. okay, that actually happened. We've got twenty people on this boat, however many that saw it. It's mm-hmm. it's not uh it's not a wish,
1: it's a reality. It's a reality. It happened just last weekend both I was out Saturday and Sunday and it happened both days. The whales came right under the boat. Remarkable.
0: Oh my gosh. I could talk with you, Anne, all day. And we, we kind of <laughs> expected this would happen. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to let my listeners know that you know you are somebody that they may be very drawn to reach out to. And the place that they can reach you, let me make sure I say your website correctly. And this time, I'm going to put that E in there <laughs> under whale. So it's <laughs> whalewisdomretreats.com. And Anne, you very graciously um, offered something for people who are listening, and I'm going to mention it briefly and ask you to talk about it. It is a being whale meditation. And um, if they go to, where do they go to to find this? And tell us a little bit about it, if you would.
1: Sure. It's very easy to go to, to find the guided meditation. It's called beingwhale.com. So that's Ah, simple. (laughs) Being, B-E-I-N-G, whale.com. And... It is a guided meditation that I uh, did actually live on a radio show that was recorded. And I guide you through it's a guided visualization. You don't even have to have meditation experience. And you just give yourself like 20 minutes of quiet time. Will you be undisturbed? Don't be driving. And good idea. <laughs> yes. And where you can shut your eyes, and I will take you on a journey to meet a mother humpback whale and then be brought into this most delicious whale hug and then literally merge into the heart of this mother humpback whale and feel what it truly feels like to be whale. Oh, my gosh. Gigantic body to be access to her wisdom and what she knows to feel what it feels like. To have this huge heart that's as big as our human bodies so it's an amazing and a really beautiful powerful and deep experience
0: that is fantastic so people are going to be able to experience this connection with whale being with whale maybe being whale and have a sense of what that is like Oh my gosh, well that is very generous of you and I encourage our listeners to just zip right along and get tuned into that. So as we complete our time together today, and I wanna ask you, as we've we've explored a lot together here today, I wanna ask you, is there anything in particular you'd like to invite our listeners to consider in their own journey to wow and whispering that you'd like to leave them with and uh, just complete our conversation
1: today. Absolutely, I, the best thing I can tell people is one, to learn to be more pre- present with yourself, be gentle with yourself, gentle like the whales, and go out in nature, just go for a walk, don't have an agenda, just give yourself permission to have, have time to just be, without doing anything and the dolphins always encourage us to get out and play more and if you don't if you're you know a single adult and you don't and you're working all the time the best way to play is to go find some little children to play with or volunteer at an animal shelter and play with the puppies or the kittens just roll on the floor and get silly that will bring so much joy and just allow wisdom to flow in because you're in the state of being,
0: not doing. Oh, and that is perfect. Well, thank you. And I encourage us all to take that on. I'm certainly going to be more tuned into that as well myself. And it's been an absolute delight. And I just want to say thank you for gracing us with your presence. And I look forward to connecting again soon. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. It's been a real honor. And I've enjoyed sharing with your listeners. And I look forward to talking to you again.
0: Wonderful. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.